Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. All right, thanks so much for joining me today. Real pleasure to have you with me. Uh, we're going to uh, get uh, right into our next guest. Uh, he's uh, Joe Situ, and he's joining me from Morton Capital in Calabasas, California. Tell you a little bit about Joe. He's uh, has an extensive background as a chartered financial analyst, char- certified financial planner, and certified exit planning advisor. He creates financial roadmaps to help clients get the most life out of their wealth. And he serves as a trusted advisor to business owners who want to monetize the value of their business to achieve financial security and peace of mind. Today, we're going to be talking about an integrated approach to exit planning, something I love to talk about. So, Joe, uh, thanks so much for joining me today, and welcome. Hi, Bill. It's great to uh, be on your show again. I think this is the second time, and uh, looking forward to spending some time with you here today talking about exit planning and what business owners can do. Yeah, I, I recall our interview. It's been a few years, but it was a really great information, um, well-received. And uh, if you would, Joe, uh, refresh our listeners who may not have heard that interview's memory. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your background and a little bit more about how you serve your clients. Sure. Yeah, well, I've been doing it for uh, 22 years or so. I uh, started off at uh, Sanford Bernstein, a large uh, investment firm, back in the late 90s, right when the tech bubble was starting to peak and ultimately migrated to the independent fee-only side of the business. Uh, And over the years, I've um, worked with a number of families and then more recently here, a lot of business owners in uh, helping them, again, create financial roadmaps. Um, I like to use that term because, you know, the investments are critical and it's sort of the thing that everyone always wants to talk about. It's, you know, the latest and greatest. But beyond that, and what I find with clients is really getting the strategy piece in alignment with what's the purpose of the money. Um, and, and those are deeper conversations related to their values, to the goals, which are the tangible things that we want to see in our life. And, it, you know, it incorporates uh, tax planning, uh, detailed cash flow planning, uh, risk management. You know, we don't sell insurance, but we're big believers that you got to uh, button up those aspects uh, your estate planning attorney's got to be an integral part of the team. So there's a lot of different components to managing wealth that go just beyond the investments. Uh, the investments are what we ultimately focus on in terms of the asset management. But, you know, if you just do it sort of in isolation or in a vacuum, uh, you really can't serve the best needs of the clients and ultimately get them to really kind of where they want to go. Well said, well put, and I couldn't agree more that it's important to really step back and think about the big picture. It's kind of like if you were uh, if you're planning a trip. Of course, everybody would love to plan a trip right now. Um, <laughs> you're right. Uh, get out of their houses. Uh, if you were planning a trip, 
uh, and you said, you know, I want to go to, let's say, from Los Angeles to New York, you'd start off with, well, first I got to, I got to figure out how I'm going to get to the airport. Then what airline am I going to take? What route am I going to take? How much is it going to cost? You'll spend, you'll spend along the way, um, and you might change your plans if there are roadblocks in the way. But it's important to have that initial roadmap. So. How do you start with all of that, with that roadmap? Start with questions with the client, and and how do you how do you get to okay? Here's how we're going to get to uh, uh, develop that roadmap, I should say. Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. You got to start really with um, detailed questions with them in terms of what's you know what's important to them, what are they looking to achieve, what's their experience been in the past. So a lot of it's very qualitative, um, we're focusing again on on those aspects, but then also simultaneously, you know, almost liken it to a doctor. You got to do a current snapshot on what you're working with, right? What are the vitals? And so that's really more where the the analytical portion comes in, where you're looking at, um, you know, where they at in terms of income detailed dive on their expenses, what are their current assets and liabilities. So you get a, a crystal clear picture on exactly what you're starting with so that you can connect the dots from where you are today to where uh, they want to go. And then from there, then you can uh, lay out a very clear roadmap on what the available options are, coordinate with the client on what resonates with them, educate them on the various sort of uh, potential risks or benefits to different strategies, everything from, you know, incorporating life insurance or is that something they need to uh, self-insure, uh, all of their different risk, uh, the different aspects of managing risk, their estate plan uh, for many wealthy clients, right? I think I was, I dialed in and I heard you talking to the uh, estate attorney and, you know, some of those strategies are very sophisticated. There's pros and cons to everything, um, and and so you want to make sure all the members of the team are involved, the CPA, uh, the estate attorney, the insurance professional, the financial advisors, working in concert for the client's benefit. Yeah, and in um, in your specialty area, especially uh, in the investment world, a lot of owners say, "Okay, great. So let let me get this straight. I I sell my business. I pay hopefully not." all of it in taxes. I'll pay a lot in taxes, but hopefully not all of it because I've done some good planning uh, and I have some money left over and now I'm going to invest that money. And then we look at the the traditional stock market and go, boy, now what are we going to do? Because it's very volatile. Uh, There are things called alternative investments. What are alternative investments and why does Morton Capital focus on their use? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, you know, Fundamentally, right, traditional investments are viewed as stocks, equities, and bonds, uh, and those are very important asset classes, and we do incorporate them into the portfolio. Um, but what our experience has shown us is that, you know, there's a lot of other tools in the toolkit that can be used from an investment standpoint, uh, gold, uh, real estate, first trust deeds, reinsurance, uh, asset-backed loans, um, commodities. There's a lot of other different, uh, again, assets that one can build into the portfolio that do several things. Uh, one is it gives broader diversification, right? So we just went through a period here where the stock market dropped 30% in a matter of about three weeks. Uh, and so while it, stocks may ultimately recover and we don't know when, the challenge with a financial plan in terms of an investment strategy is it's got to be one that a client can stick with for the long run and not bail uh, in 
just because they have this sort of emotional knee-jerk reaction when things get tough. And so if clients are ultimately limiting themselves to the types of investments in their portfolio, overweighting stocks, they may not be able to stick with their long-term plan. And so we actually use alternative investments as a way to really manage risk, uh, both at the portfolio level and oftentimes um, those alternatives may have uh, characteristics that in and of themselves, their prices don't fluctuate as much. Now, one of the trade-offs typically will be that maybe it's actually a privately held investment. And so we're embracing a different kind of risk, i.e. some illiquidity risk, by holding on to uh, an investment in multifamily apartments or student housing or different types of real estate assets or even first trustees where you've got an asset that's backing uh, that partnership interest. Um, and one of the other benefits is it's actually paying uh, generally better cash flow than you can get in the traditional bond arena, right? Interest rates are at all-time lows. Uh, you know, I said that probably several years ago, and they've even grinded even lower. <laughs> right. And and, and right. the other thing is that, right, you've got inflation, right? So when you look at it not only in nominal terms but in real terms after inflation, after the effects of inflation, you know, you're not really getting good cash flow from uh, traditional bonds, broadly speaking, out in the market. So that's well, that's one of the reasons why we use alternative investments in our in our portfolios. Yeah, it's a tough uh, arrangement for a lot of people. Now, uh, back over to on the exit planning side. Do you think that um, a lot? You know, I was saying in an earlier interview today, Joe, that um, from the surveys that I've seen from Vistage Worldwide where I do a lot of work for them, and I've mm -hmm. seen uh, the surveys that say, you know, about a quarter of the businesses are really doing well because they're in industries that do well because of a recession. Um, uh, but um, about half the businesses are are kind of treading water, and a, uh, a quarter of them are probably underwater. So for let's say for the majority of those businesses that are that are hanging in there, and they maybe were, have a – an owner who was ready to exit, ready to start their exit plan and get out in the next couple of years. Um, wh what do you think, um, do you, are you hearing from those types of owners asking, you know, what, what should I do now? Um, uh, or maybe they were even in the process of, of moving towards the sale of the business and now they're wondering, am I still going to get the same value for that business? What tips can you give them? Yes. Yeah, so I think one of the things, you, you know, you're, you're touching on is, where the, the the one thing right we one of the things we like to focus on in our planning is identifying what is it that we can control and what is it that we can't control right and and certainly for many owners dealing with the coronavirus the government regulations the shutdown are things that are really sort of beyond their control initially in order to build value for their business on a go forward, I think what I would um, try to educate them on is from a buyer's perspective, right, the notion of transferability, right, it's all about risk. When a buyer is buying a, an owner's company, they're buying a future value of uh, earnings of that business, and what's the likelihood that those revenues will continue on a go forward? And so if they can really focus on four critical areas of their business that they do have direct control over, I would encourage them to look at their human capital, right, which is the talent of their team that they have in place, and how can they shore that up over the next few years. 
looking at their customer capital. What's the composition of their client base? Again, bar, assuming we recover from uh, the, the virus and that we get back to some general level of normality, what can they do to shore up those customer and client relationships? What can they do to mitigate the risk in terms of concentration um, from those revenue streams so that it's not just relying on you know, one or two or five uh, clients who are generating you know, 50 to 80% of the revenue? Next, mm-hmm. what are, what's the structural capital uh, inside of the business? These are the processes and procedures, that sort of tribal knowledge that many small business owners have in their head if they can get that down into documented processes and workflows, all other things being equal, that is going to add tremendous value by de-risking the business from the buyer's perspective, right? Because if it's all stuck in the owner's head or in the key, you know, the key managers who are running the business, they don't have it documented. It's a tremendous amount of risk, right? If something happens to those, those individuals. So what sort of redundancy systems can you build in? And then lastly, the social capital. And this is probably one of the hardest, but this kind of speaks to culture. And it's the glue that holds the business together internally, right, how teams work through issues like what we're going through right now, and also uh, how the company works externally with their vendors, with their clients, uh, with their other business partners. Uh, So these are the sort of things that uh, internally that uh, business owners can focus on uh, to, I think, set their business up for success. Uh, beyond that, what I think from a personal standpoint, which is really what, kind of where we get involved, is I see all too often many business owners decide after the fact to do the advanced estate planning, to do the advanced tax planning, to do the advanced financial planning, and they really do themselves a disservice. They really need to do this sort of pre-liquidity event um, what's the true number that I'm going to need to net from the sale in order to live the life that I want to live, to sustain myself on a go forward? Um, mm-hmm. it, because, and for several reasons, right? Obviously, their expenses, they've been running through the business. A buyer is going to see that, and they're going to have adjustments to their earnings. So shoring up the financials will actually do better for not only the buyer and for the transaction, but also for the owner in really knowing what is it they need from a financial standpoint uh, to sustain themselves? Um, you can do much more advanced estate and effective uh, tax planning if you're looking at it pre-transaction than post-transaction. So these would be the things we'd be working with, uh, through with these clients on. That's great. That's you know that's really helpful because again, as you say, most of your clients I'm sure have um, tax professionals uh, and attorneys, mm-hmm. but they may not be getting this look at um, at their future uh, as they would if they work with your with someone like yourself. Now you're launching uh, the Conejo Valley chapter of the Exit Planning Institute, uh, an organization I'm very familiar with, very great organization. Tell us a little yeah. bit about um, what that's what what that's all about. What why is the Exit Planning Institute important? Um, <clears throat> what do you get out of it, and why should our listeners? Uh, think that that's a great thing, and and why should advisors uh, maybe give you a call if they want to become part of that inst- uh, that chapter? Yeah, um, you know I got involved with the Exit Planning Institute uh, uh, three, four, five years ago, I guess, and I uh, went through their accreditation program. And really, there were several things that dawned on me. One is um, having become an owner myself. You know, I'm, I'm one of the owners now of Morton Capital, a privately held business. 
having gone through that transition myself as an employee to becoming a partner and an owner, and then ultimately, you know, um, unfortunately our founding partner passed away uh, about three years ago, and we had to structure a buyout of his estate. We, I went through that sort of internal succession from generation one to generation two, and I think we've done a great job here as a firm. I'm very proud of the partners that I work with and our CEO and staff and what we've built. It's a very complicated process, and I feel like, you know, us as financial advisors, we're reasonably savvy on these things, and even for us, it's a lot to take on. So the need for uh, this kind of advice to – and that's what I found with the Exit Planning Institute. They've created this platform through their value acceleration methodology uh, that Chris Snyder and Scott Snyder have really sort of spearheaded in giving a framework and a methodology to a business owner that encompasses – not only the business aspect, but also incorporates their own, the, their personal, um, the aspects related to them personally, and then financially into an integrated platform. I think is just it's so needed. And when second, when you look at the demographics of the number of baby business owners, baby boomer business owners <laughs> that will need to transition now over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever that looks like, whether it's a family transition, whether it's an internal transition to management, kind of like what we went through, whether it's a sale to a strategic buyer, a recap with a private equity group, there's just going to be a tremendous amount of these deals going forward, and our economy depends on it, right? I mean, small businesses, um, you know, and I say that really, you know, small middle market businesses make up the lion's share of, uh, of the job creators out there. They're integral to our communities. And I just feel it's very important that we sort of as a community and as a country handle this wealth transfer, which will be upwards of trillions of dollars uh, as best as we can. And so that's why I wanted to get involved with this movement to be committed to it. And so we don't have anything uh, like this in the Caneo Valley area uh, for the Exit Planning Institute. Uh, there is an L.A. chapter, which I'm a member of, um, and it's a great uh, organization. Uh, but we also we need to bring those resources here to right into our backyard where I live. And so um, we're launching one. We were actually originally slated to launch in March uh, at North Ranch Country Club. We had about 120 people signed up for the event. And then, obviously, with the coronavirus outbreak, that got put on on hold. I am hopeful mm -hmm. to relaunch yeah. here as soon as we get some, uh, yeah, uh, get the okay. Yeah, it's a tough time to launch a new group, but um, you know, there, <laughs> the things will get better. <laughs> uh, people, it's important for people to come together. Now, you have uh, in those types of groups, you have uh, professionals from all walks of life, if you will, around uh, business, yep. business-oriented planning. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. We. The the intent of the plat of the the chapter and the organization is to again bring together all of the members that a business owner would need, so that we are all working together in concert and collaboration, um, and we're all speaking the same language. We all have a uniform way of looking at it. Really putting the the business owner at the center, uh, and, and again creating that collaborative team that they need to make a successful transition. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Joe, it's uh, great to talk with you about these issues. Any final uh, tips, ideas, or precautions you'd like to leave our listeners with today? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would say one is to the owners, get get yourself educated. I know it's, um, and through, whether it's, you know, through an organization like ours, there's a lot of different, uh, there's good material out there. Take the time to start to get yourself educated. Uh, I think all too often many owners uh, wait until the last minute. They're very overwhelmed, and it's understandably so. Um, but start to, you know, two, three years ahead of time as best as you can. Get yourself educated. Don't underestimate the amount of time that it will take to not only prepare the business, to prepare yourself uh, personally, um, and also to prepare yourself and your family financially. Uh, create a team. Uh, this is not something that one person can really do on their own. They need to be able to uh, – the owner should be the one sort of with the vision – like kind of like they do with the business, they delegate to their CFO and their COO and the other members of the team. Take that same sort of approach with your team when you're starting to contemplate business succession. Um, don't automatically assume that just because your business pays you a good income that that it automatically means someone else will buy it. Uh, you know, as you know, studies show that many businesses, I think it's upwards of 80% that go to market, don't ultimately sell, right? And so really kind of come to understand the difference between a lifestyle business and a business with true enterprise value. One with true enterprise value will be the one that can be transferred to a buyer for that price. Uh, if the business uh, can't run with you there, uh, with you gone, you can't take a vacation, uh, you really don't have a business that can be transferred. So get those systems in place ahead of time, and your likelihood of success will go up exponentially. Great tips. Uh, Joe C2, mortoncapital.com, M-O-R-T-O-N capital.com. Joe, a real pleasure to have you on the show again today, and uh, hopefully uh, we won't wait so long in between interviews next time. Hey, Bill, thanks for your time. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 